0: Welcome to episode 360 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me, Russell John, the Fisherman. Welcome to episode... I feel like this is a historic episode. 360. There's some sort of, like, numerical value in this. And I feel like if we put any sort of thought or effort um, into the show, we would have maybe brought back... A Nilo driss. A Justin Coot, because we're back to where we started from.
1: 360.: wow. I know you're just riffing right now, but I feel uh, personally attacked.: right I know. There. I know as I had brought up that idea, having just hung out with Nilo and having regular communication with Justin Coot. Yeah, I, I know what you're doing, but you didn't say
0: anything about 360. Though.
1: You were only in when the number came up. I I get it now. Alright, well uh, Justin Coote just wrote a review on Bodies, Bodies, Bodies as he attended an early A24 screening uh, thanks to the local film uh, connoisseur Jesse Hawthorne Fix hooking him up. Uh, funny thing is, Justin Coote is the type, again, we're talking about fuck when was the last time he was on the show episode 50 he was a uh, he was an important member early on we actually did the show out of his house and i, I believe two we, different areas well, of two, his house two, both way hotter than in this room today yep because it's very hot in here and we've both been complaining but with a little reflection episode 360 we look back and it used to be worse. It used to be we were in a room where there was pane glass windows that were nailed shut for some reason <laughs> that would fill up with, with condensation, con- condensation. Our bodily fluids would get all over there. Anyway, I believe we stopped doing the show of the house when he showed up to his front door in his uh, boxers and said, sorry, man, can't record today. No, I think we pressed on that day. You said, what the fuck are you talking about? We got a guest. We're doing this. Yeah. No, the day we stopped was when he went, sorry, can't record today. Turns out I'm going to Disneyland. And it's been a a trip he had planned for months. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he reviewed Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. (laughs) And it's funny because he's the only person I know that's ever made a image that said uh, A24. The A stands for asshole.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of assholes, it's Randy Michael Statt, engineer extraordinaire. That's me. What's up? Randy, what do you think about Bodies, Bodies, Bodies coming out next week?
2: Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it looks good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about it, but the uh, the trailer looks fun.
0: So, <laughs> I'm excited because uh, my new crush is in that movie. Of course, I'm referring to Pete Davidson. Really? No. Nice. Uh, uh, Rachel Sennett. Yeah, from Shiva Baby? Yeah, she's a smoke show, dude. Agreed. Is Pete
1: Davidson in it? Yeah. Oh weird, he didn't mention that in his review. <laughs> he, he no, I mean, I'm not surprised. He, before we move away from Justin, he did send me a fucking screenshot. Let's see if I can find it of um, a twenty four fans in the uh, comment section of the movie, and he's like, "This is what I'm talking about, dude. They all fucking hate shit." So uh, his gist of the movie is that it's kind of a traditional slasher with some like social commentary in it. Yeah, which sounds very charitable coming from him. Yeah. So I literally think it's like all of the A24, like, you know, the A is for arrogant when we're talking about Randy. And uh, they <laughs> they look down from their uh, Olympus perch upon all the lowbrow filmgoers, and they are not digging it.
0: Which honestly kind of gives me hope. So yeah, I don't know. I
1: couldn't find the damn thing.
0: Well, um, here's, here's what we know about. And again, Justin Coot is our brother. Yeah. We love him. And that is why we can speak open and honestly about it. (laughs) The man will gravitate towards anything that does not cost monetary value. So the fact that he went to this free screening, operative word free, and got merch and got a VIP treatment. Naturally, that's going to change the tune of his uh, yeah, that's song. That's fair.
1: Oh, I, f- I found it too. So, the, the screenshot he took me from the comments section on Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, here's one from Nikki Jim. <laughs> Bruh, who's running A24 right now? The dropping quality is ridiculous. They got 81 <laughs> likes. Uh, Oxen Free 314. This can't be the same studio that produced everything, everywhere, and all at once. That's.
0: <laughs> Here's what people don't understand about A24. You I would say roughly I don't know 20 a quarter of the movies that A24 produced, they get they get the 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 bright light. Yeah, yeah. There are so many A24 films that no one knows about. Oh yeah, that they just acquire. Yeah, yeah that, that they just sure. acquire. Here we
1: go. Dean Miller 988. No thanks. Next. Yeah. Here we go. Jury, A24 on their pandering to unruly 16-year-olds. <laughs> Sick. Uh, does Pete die in the film? Just asking for a friend. Also, uh, Senior Monkey has a minion in his profile picture. I thought you'd dig
0: that, Clark. Oh. Shout out to Senior Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us in this topic of nothing is Oksana Valerinova Osachi. Osace. Hi. Oksana, you just had a Nutter Butter, which I gifted you. How was that Nutter Butter? It
3: was fantastic.
0: Fresh out the pack, you got the first Nutter Butter of the pack. Congratulations.
3: (laughs) With my coffee. It went well.
0: Oh, that's a very nice coffee. Now, Oksana, are you a dunker?
3: No, I don't think so.
0: You're missing out.
3: I don't want chunks in my coffee afterwards.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that well. Again, I, I think that, look, anything is improved with practice. Certainly. And I think that if you were leaving chunks of cookie in your beverage, then you just need a little bit more practice as a dunker. Now, I'm a dunker from way back. All right. I'm a dunker. My father was a dunker. His father was a dunker. It's a lineage of dunkers going on in the little clan. The thing is, the first thing you have to realize is you have to understand the thickness of your cookie. Okay. Including the filling, and then also the temperature of your beverage, which you are pairing with said cookie. If it is hot and you have a thin cookie, then you have a very, very narrow window of dunkage.
3: I don't think the temperature matters. I think it's just. Oh, Oksana,
0: please, please, (laughs) would you argue with Lou Gehrig on how to swing a baseball bat? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't argue with me about how you dunk a fucking cookie in the tea and or coffee.
3: I wouldn't argue with anyone on how to swing a baseball bat. I don't know who that guy is.
0: (laughs) What? He's very famous. He's got a disease.
3: The name. (laughs) I didn't know he was a baseball player.
2: (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It is funny. You want to know my dunking thoughts real quick? Oh, no. Let's do it. The only thing that I dunk is a Delta Biscoff cookie when I have uh, a Biscoff cookie and coffee on a flight. That's very good. That's a nice... But uh, no, no,
1: no. That's a, the typical A24 answer oh right there. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever dunked a Biscoff cookie and coffee? Bi- you know what I... You know, when I think of dunk, I think of Tim. That's the only thing I think of. Tim? Duncan. Who's Tim
0: Duncan? He's a basketball player. What number? Oh, dude, I can't...
1: Where'd go to 69. Uh, uh,
0: Bakersfield. Yes, he went to <laughs> Bakersfield. <laughs> 21, Wake Forest. He's oh. from the U.S. Virgin Islands. That was my second guess. Thank you very much.
3: Even a- A24 is also coming out with The Whale. which Randy's Oh, yeah they, yeah. they
0: did not release the trailer, but they released a screenshot of a 600-pound Brendan Fraser. <laughs> oh, he's That's great. The Whale? Yes, he's The Whale.
3: <laughs> it's a Darren Aronofsky movie really yeah.
0: oh I, I and do. he's got a lazy eye I
3: and love it's fat
1: sick.
0: brendan dude no we have 600 pound brendan now
3: oh
1: he looks kind of like that vampire from blade right like he's like melting into a blob <laughs> yeah i think i saw i didn't realize that was from a new movie
3: yeah there was i think there was trailers or something at um comic-con or of some course. film festival or something
1: yeah, it's funny. Um, we had briefly thought about talking about like Comic Con releases. That's totally a lie. I don't know why I felt the need to lie about that. Me about? and you were downstairs watching the trailers from Comic Con. Incredibly boring. Although I. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. Because oh. yeah, all that shit came out. Yeah, they uh, stunk. The only thing that I walked away from after what? It was like a 15 minute video montage. Was that She Hulk looks like it's a movie that should be in another movie as a joke 100 percent. we were sitting there like what is happening like is this real and then clark was like if this came out in the 80s it would be a comedy laughing at itself and then it transitioned into the groot trailer and we didn't even realize yeah it felt like it was the same fucking movie dude i <laughs> i hate marvel i dude
3: It's a series, right?
1: And I hate the Russo brothers. Also, uh, shout out to uh, Scott Frizzell. Uh, Can somebody look up when he was last on here? Again, back 360. Like episode six. Yeah, back with Coot and Nilo. Uh, So he's been listening to the show, and he gives some great commentary every now and then. When um, I guess apparently we had sold him on Nope. He said in no world was I ever going to watch this movie. After hearing you guys talk about it, I'm going to go see it. And he's like, uh, as far as the Russos are concerned, they should go like... He said a lot of explicit words in there. Yeah. But um uh they, it ended with them passing away, sadly. Yeah, uh, Scotty but
3: episode twenty.
1: Twenty. Jeez. Fucking OG, dude. And um he also threw in a couple of dudes that we like though. He said, Yeah, the Russos, they should bring the Duplos brothers with them. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I gotta hear a little bit more about that beef. Anyway I could maybe understand that. And it's funny because the Russo's killing cinema made him reflect on his own film that he worked on creep show three. Thank you. and he's like, I can't leave it at that, man. I got to make another movie. And I'm like, well, we're ready for you. So yeah, Scott, dude, if you end up uh, throwing something in the can,
0: man, come back on bitch about clue us in on why you don't like the duplass brothers because i'm i'm a fan well i feel like the duplass brothers you know they they put out this whole indie vibe but they're they're not they're yeah well they're indie until you start making money right yeah, kind of so
1: i i feel like they're kind of like the a24 indie. yeah we got yeah they're,
0: they're like their own cottage industry at this point
1: yeah and I, I remember god it might have been the last time i listened to marin uh yeah mark was on there and he was talking about like Having strict regimen of like how he lives,
0: but I haven't heard like anything of them being like scumbags. But no, I have heard. There's a little pretension. Now again, I want to be very careful because it, you know, certain channels of this. But um, you know, I've heard that uh, our boy, um, whose name is escaping okay. me right now, uh, 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 Wolf of Snow Hollow. Okay, the uh, you're very Jim- Cummings. Yeah, Jim Cummings. <laughs> A little bit of a dirt bag oh really <laughs> i mean bit. weird he looks so humble
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he smiles and his teeth like gleam yeah it's one of those things where like his twitter it's like it's like dude like you're trying
1: a little too hard oh no what is he trying to do like a fucking uh who's the comedian that we always make fun of for doing the fucking anti vax stand up Jim Brewer
0: Jim Brewer. is he doing a Jim Cummings meets Brewer No um I don't, just uh, peruse his Twitter You you'll oh, get an man, idea I in about I don't five tweets Fuck about Twitter
1: I go on there to retweet whatever Oksana puts up that's about it mm-hmm. Although I mean it,
0: it could be a cool platform you just got to you got to curate your shit Uh before we throw it to David Lynch one more thing um this is a, a impromptu segment called uh Clark now recommends YouTube videos to Randy since Randy watches YouTube now. <laughs> okay. And Russell, you actually watched this as well. So I want to know if you think Randy would Randy like that video that we watched about the drummer listening to Tool for the first time? I don't know. Okay. No. Now, Randy, Randy's a recover Randy's Randy, a
1: recovering drummer. Randy, don't chime in yet. I already I, did. I know, but I didn't I didn't hear what you said, so it, it works for me. Um we had an argument off the bat where I'm like, I think Randy as a musician would be interested. But I think he would hate Tool just as some sort of a, he's a punk kid and post-rock. Correct. Yeah. So I was like, I think he would miss out on the greatness of that video for that reason only.
0: But the drummer is not in that world at all. So the drummer's out of his comfort zone. Yeah, but okay. So Clark showed me a video where they take,
1: uh, I'm guessing, challenging or interesting... um, what songs that have uh challenging or interesting drum parts and uh tool has a very prolific drummer i won't bore you with my fandom of him but uh you know they do mixed time signatures and everything and the thing about drumming is it's such a technical instrument that usually has very little impact on a song as far as like general audiences are concerned schism is a particularly odd time signature. I believe they switch back and forth twice. And this was a jazz drummer. And just watching him listen to the song for the first time was without, without a drum track. Dude, and Randy, uh, now I know you, you didn't grow up loving Tool like I did. Um, I also grew up loving nu metal. As a guitarist, this was the worst fucking thing that could have happened. I learned the drop D tuning. I learned how to do bar chords a lazy way every habit i built was terrible and it was and then you know i later on i, I discover iron maiden and i'm like i'm fucked <laughs> i can't play <laughs> shit so tool was right there though and we used to cover tool songs and i would just fucking fake it dude i would sit there i couldn't keep a six eight count i'm yeah. like I, god i could not do it so i'm just like you can kind of know a song by just hearing it enough but you know a drummers they don't do that so I think you would have, I, I'm too much time
2: on this, but Randy, I think you would enjoy it. But if you're not familiar yeah, with this song, maybe. yeah, I want to be I've clear. tried to learn that bass riff from Schism before, and that is very hard. I do like that bass line. Dude, it's fucking cool. And hearing a, a like a
1: kind of like swing interpretation on Tool, dude, it was fucking Is that the bass at the beginning of the song?
0: It's a boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's that like triple boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Tripling, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good.
1: The the also the drummer could not identify if there was a bass guitar in that song or not. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, it's another carryover from fucking new metal and fieldy deconstructing a uh, <laughs> traditional instrument. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I, I want to be clear as well. I uh, I am not a musician, nor am I a fan of Tool, and I I got great enjoyment out of that video.
1: Yeah the the best thing, Randy, was he heard it one like maybe half the song and then plays along with it the next time
0: oh wow yeah so that's super but he never heard the drum track so he's just like interpreting what he thinks huh it's good i'll send you the link do it
1: all right send him the
0: singapore link too singapore (laughs) i watched uh i found that video since you didn't send it to me i thought you really weren't interested what are you talking about i don't know you're hard to read sometimes. Do you have it queued up? No. I actually deleted it. God, you're the
1: worst, <laughs> dude. Well, I was like, we're never going to bring up
0: Singapore. Again. You know what? Next week, Oksana's running the soundboard. Hey, we could try that. Uh, she does not look thrilled. We
3: <laughs> could try it. Try and make, a, make sense out of that.
0: It's just buttons and colors. Yeah, but lesson one uh, next week you will come into the show and you will have researched who Lou Gehrig is and you will give us a complete study.
3: He's got a disease
1: Yeah, you could do uh, Clark's long-forgotten NPR segment. boom boom boom. All right, let's bring him in. All right. Well, is he still out there? <laughs> I feel like we talked for a while.
0: Are you done talking oh, about tool?
1: Oh, dude he's a tool fan <laughs> also i listened to a podcast again i know i know he's right out there but he was on it and he went on a bob's uh what burgers bob's big boy yeah he went on a fucking rant about their ice cream well he it was fantastic
0: he wrote like all the screenplays at bob's big boy yeah he
1: also talked about climbing into their dumpster <laughs> is that where he got the inspiration <laughs> dude, that's what i was thinking of Wait, what is is that moholland drive yeah okay yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, it has to be that, but the horror wasn't a homeless person who was a demon. The horror in real life was um, looking at what was, <laughs> looking at how they created the ice cream he had been eating every day for a long time. That's what I heard. Yeah, he said there's
0: not a natural ingredient in here, dude. We were talking, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that scene in Mulholland Drive a few weeks ago. Remember? Yeah, and dude, I I rewatched it on YouTube. Holds up. Oh, dude, it's fantastic. Hold up. You can even isolate that
1: scene, and uh, it's great. Oh, yeah, it's great. Okay, we'll let him in. Uh, do we want to do bingo? No, here, one question. Do you think he, he's going to keep up with the fucking sleeping car?
0: I think I think this is his new thing now. You know, I, And also, I do think that he's been going more on this tangent of swapping the cars out on this train okay. than he did about the war in Ukraine. <laughs> Don't so, be quiet when you talk about that. Apparently,
1: there's still a war. He'll fucking start. Oh, dude. Yeah, uh, he'll he'll start going. Um, okay, so we got sleeping car. Anybody? Popcorn? Popcorn's dead. It's never coming. back. Oksana, how you
0: feeling about cakes?
3: I think they're gone. Okay. Now cool. he's he's more into construction of this train now for sure. All
1: right, we're we gonna get a coffee. Maybe epoxy. Epoxy.
3: Always coffee. Yeah.
1: Right, always coffee and epoxy. All right, and the sleeping train.
3: Hopefully not together. Right.
1: Call it. Call him in. David. Good morning. It's July 31, 2022, and it's a Sunday, day two
0: of weekend projects, and the fun work train is rolling. And I have to tell you, I
1: spent the night in one of our new sleeping cars
0: (laughs) in a private sleeping compartment.
3: Extraordinary. After this, I'm on my way to a diner car,
0: have some breakfast and a coffee, and then today I'll be working with tempera paint, wood glue, paper towels, Come on. and some <laughs> epoxy putty. Yeah! Nice. Got him. Everyone, (laughs) have a great day. Dude,
1: paper towels? (laughs) Everybody in this room had a weird look.
0: Yeah. What is he doing? He never reveals this shit. Well, he ain't making a risotto. (laughs) I know that. Dude, okay, so no
1: shuffling of the cars, but he stayed the night in in the train? By himself. I don't know. Is he murdered? Uh, he's gotta be. Randy? No idea. You know, he doesn't hang out very long. Does but... Lynch Does Lynch fuck, dude? Uh, I don't know. I can't imagine it. I don't know. I, he's gotta fuck. Well, remember when he was making Eraser?
0: Also, I should have intro him. I'm oh, no. so sorry. Oxana is a woman. Do you get fuck vibes out of David Lynch?
3: No. Mm. But I think he is married since 2009 to Emily... Blonde. Thoughtful?
0: well unless
1: jennifer lynch is adopted he's you know
3: i mean at one point i think he's too old now no, you know dude. i take
1: that back he's a virgin <laughs> that'd be tight i'm getting virgin vibes from him bro all right um so we have a new segment you know i should have teased these up top we do have a tbr today what do you want to do first it is 360 so i feel like maybe we should uh jump back to last week And do uh, the new segment that you just named. Do you remember what it is? What?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You already no. I no. I have responsibilities with the TBR report now, so I was queuing that up. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, No, let's do
1: the other one first. What's the other one? All right, here we got stinger music for it too.
0: That doesn't help. That's the singer music for like 97 fake segments. We
1: it's have. the rehearsal roundup.
0: That's it. There
1: it is. <laughs> it's episode 360. That was a callback to our favorite episode ever, uh, whose number I never knew, <laughs> where I did an in-depth review of uh, Ghost Adventures. And I used that for the intro to uh, the continuation of a conversation we had last week for the Rehearsal, our favorite new HBO show,
2: which I got breaking news that Randy's now in on. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching it, you know, the last two episodes, but I'm, I'm more in now than I was the last two. See, y'all need to have some faith with my boy, Nathan. Now, um, I mean, that's why I continued watching it. I have faith. I, I know. You. I just I wasn't into it. it.
1: Episode three is phenomenal. Now, um... How do we want to do this? Because we didn't even talk about episode two, and I don't want to linger
0: here. For we a talked a little bit about episode two, so I got I got a little bit of an update. So, so we'll we'll talk about what's happening so far. So, episode one, we had a man who has the strangest name I've ever heard uh, from a gentleman. Core Skeet is this man's name, and as we established, Core Skeet has painted on hair, and he had an education situation. Um, from my perspective. I struggled with episode 1. It was the longest episode we've had and the least amount of things happened. The biggest thing that happened is that they were able to recreate a bar atom by atom. Wait, can uh, so you know, uh episode
1: 360 we're looking back and I think it's super clear now that they were really setting up this like in-world camera faux reality narrative. Yeah. And that was, you know, thinking about like why why start here? Just the level that they went to recreate that bar, it kind of sets you up for the rest of the show. A hundred percent. You
3: know,
0: they'll go to extreme distances to make a faux reality. But it concluded in episode one. And I didn't know where we were going to go. Totally, Because we had nothing else to do. I'm like, okay, well... That's where I can put my hopes on uh is just the unknown, and hopefully we can build on a more i i just I didn't want this to be a different thing every week. I get you. And the fact that now we're building a narrative that's may, is going to carry us for several episodes at least, and also he's bringing back stuff from episode one. I just want something that and he's certainly building oh yeah. He's, um, he's the king of like
1: multiple layers of reality TV, like Nathan Fielder, Nathan for you, like we've been rewatching that show. I think he's up there with Sasha Baron Cohen in like, and Jackass of like creating. A, oh yeah. Actually, honestly, I think he might be better than both yeah. of them
0: are, uh, you know, Jamie Kennedy.
1: Yeah. And again, I know, this is going to feel <laughs> a little. All in, right. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> you really took that? Well, here's the thing with Jamie Kennedy, uh, God, we got to have Justin on here. You know, I'm not going to tell a story. Anyway, at Monsterpalooza, the last one, uh, they had a they did their closing party and Jamie Kennedy was there hosting it. And he I heard he was trashed and he got on stage and was like, hey, do you all remember me from my show? He's like, please don't Google that. I'd be canceled if anybody remembered it. And uh, I guess he had done blackface and he had done a pretty
0: brutal uh, Asian Impersonation. Well, he also had done Jennifer Love Hewitt, so congratulations. <laughs> no, yeah, he wins. He it. wins. But again, if you're a found
1: footage fan and you're mostly only dealing horror, jump into the rehearsal. I think there's something here, and just keep in mind what like reality means, because this show will fuck with you. And in episode three, we start getting into like emotions, yeah. and uh, I'll spoiler alert: I had a straight up tear flow. Out of episode three, no, I told
0: you I got I got Ooh. a little emotional
1: in three. Yeah, Oksana didn't recognize. It's because I'm a man and I hit it. So talk about talk about episode three. <laughs> uh, so okay, well, um, episode three, we we start to see what the show actually is because in two we were introduced to a lady who um we were kind of resetting the um same kind of TV show from the first episode where he's dealing with the one person and he's gonna like help them rehearse their dreams essentially. And her dream was to have a kid, but it was also to live in a two story house on a farmland and also to be self-sufficient and also to be in a relationship. And it's like, okay. So they fucking do it. And it's incredibly complicated and a hard dream to realize. Um, a lot of the technical aspect is hilarious. So I don't really want to get into that. Like one of the brief things is, so they have a child actor and the thing with children actors is you can only have them work for four hours at a time, but for this dream to work, it's got to be all day and night. She's got to wake up when the baby's crying. So he, they have hundreds of children actors that they rotate in and out. Dozens. it's like two dozen. Well, let me embellish, please. Yeah. And, <laughs> don't bring reality into my faux reality, uh, lecture. And, um, Yeah, like another obstacle they have is that children actors can only work up until like 10. So after that, they swap in a robot. Now, they also want this to feel like it's a reality. So they try and do it secretly uh, via a kind of like staircase that you would breach a castle wall with. And they bring it up to the second story window and whisk away the child at night. All right. It's a first story window. I Correct. can't. I can't embellish yeah. any of this. I'm trying to sell this fucking show. Nathan is a personal that's friend. called misinformation. Oh, God <laughs> damn it. This A24 shit. We got we to gotta fire Randy. No, we just have to <laughs>
0: hold you to checks and balances, dude. All right. It's a full time job. So,
2: if we don't, three,
0: we get in trouble too. So, right. from who? From you. Okay.
1: That is true. All right. Fair point. Um, johnny fairplay who's that from what was that from a, a street basketball was there an mtv show where are they you, are you are you okay? johnny fairplay okay email us overlookhour at gmail.com if you remember who johnny fairplay is it's no, either a reality show contestant or a, a basket don't google it i'm shutting down the producers right now okay episode three thank you we uh, are introduced to another character x Ex- uh, how do we talk about episode three without giving away two because the storyline carries over with the girl raising children, mm-hmm. as this is going to be a long-term thing. So at the end of episode two, we're looking at, oh, is this going to be the show?
0: Because in episode two, the, the young lady um, is single, and she wants to know if, you know, raising a child something she wants to do, so that henceforth, this whole simulation. And she goes on dates, and she meets one guy in particular who we spend the majority of the episode with. That guy's name is Robin Stone. Um, this is one of the more, um, polarized is not even the word because I could, I can't even, I don't think there's a person who on this planet who would enjoy what this guy brought to the table and would not be annoyed by this guy. Um,
1: I uh, outside of the woman in the show. I, uh, actually, I thought he was a
0: pretty chill dude at first Mm. because there's a chemistry there and you were rooting for them. but then here but the, the, so they both you know have a faith yeah um you know in our lord and savior jesus christ they're in some weird cult of christianity and but robin talks about how many cars he's crashed including his Scion <laughs> tc um and that is when he brought his life to christ um so we found um he did an interview with vice magazine uh randy's favorite publication um <laughs> And because he felt like he was not being portrayed correctly in the show. Uh, Robin Stone, the horny, scion, TC-crashing, sign-seeing, Christ-loving, son of a Paramore, sort of Paramore on the latest episode of the rehearsal, um, felt like his appearance didn't show him in the best light. Uh, Robin, who has a moving company in the Portland, Oregon area, <laughs> said that if there's something he'd like the viewers of the rehearsal to know is that he doesn't smoke weed anymore. In fact, he's completely sober. He also doesn't think that what people saw of him in the rehearsal, an absurd an absurd social experiment moonlighting as a reality show in which Fielder meticulously rehearses anxiety, including moments in people's lives, actually show the kind of person he is. I think they really like changed my personality, Stone told Motherboard <laughs> over the phone. The portrayal is just completely aimed at making me look bad. Dude,
1: it's funny because he is introduced to a show where they're creating a fake reality to better equip you for, you know, reality. Yet, like everything, like uh, Amalisa, like all these films that deal with non-humanoid uh, subject matter, they always kind of reveal the humanity in everything. And this, I thought, was a fucking perfect example. And now their chemistry is rooted in a weird kind of like, I don't know, internet fringy energy where they show her on other dates and she's talking to a very regular dude and they're out at like what looks like a Costco kind of food court, but it's outdoors. And um, they're sitting there. and She's talking about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. And he's just like, what the fuck? But this dude came in and's like, yeah, I crashed my car going over a hundred, but I ended up standing straight up and God was there and I saw a double eight three birth.
0: Stone says that he is a strong believer in Christ, a belief that has only grown with the multiple vehicular accidents he's gotten into. (laughs) On top of crashing his Scion TC at 100 miles per hour, something he repeatedly references in the show, he also had a brush with death when he was involved in an ATV accident. I even saw the white light, he said. I was ascending, going into heaven, and God pulled me out.
1: Dude, he's a fucking character. And when he when he first meet him, he seems like a nice dude, a little wacky, but it's like, well, he probably was on a bad course in life and corrected it. Yeah. And then you get to hang out with them and you realize uh, he's a scumbag celibacy is not a thing he gives a shit about. He's actually going to be part of the show because he thinks he can break her uh, commitment to, you know, waiting till after marriage. Then you get to meet his roommate, which seems like a pretty chill dude. Oh, They get into a fucking fight, too. Like, we have a camera peeking around a corner and they're. What's good? What's yeah, good? Step to me. Yeah. Get it. Come here. And it's like, what the fuck? Then, you know, you get a brief like, hey, man, what happened? Why were why you guys fighting? He's like, he just didn't want to hear the truth. <laughs> 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 then his car doesn't have any license plates on it. Dude. It was so good. He's a fucking character. And one thing, if I could only sell you on one thing on this show, they're digging up all of these great salt of the earth people. Oh, yeah. Every
0: fucking character on here. Because, yeah, the the character, in, and what's the guy's name in episode three? I don't know. Your favorite? Yeah. I don't know. I th- That guy is his own, I mean, he's a character too, man. Completely different from Robin, but uh, so the storyline in episode three is that we're still dealing with, you know, um, the the lady in the house yeah. with the children um, who also now we learn that she does not celebrate Halloween because it's uh, you know, the devil's birthday or oh. whatever she says. Um, and uh, that Google is, is Satanist, <laughs> <laughs> but Nathan's still working another side angle. So he's still, he's still doing rehearsals for other people, which includes this gentleman who shows up in one of the new uh, Jeep trucks. Uh, which looks very nice. And his storyline is that he needs to talk to his brother about getting his inheritance from his grandfather. And the reason why his uh, the inheritance will not be handed over to him is because the executor of the will is this gentleman's brother. This gentleman's brother uh, s- says that his brother, the guy in the show, his girlfriend... <laughs> is a gold digger and that the grandfather stipulated in the will that this guy cannot have the money because all the women he dates are (laughs) gold diggers. And and that is the word that is constantly used. So they meet up, they rebuild beam for beam, fry by fry, chicken tender by chicken tender, an exact replica of a Raising Cane's restaurant in Denver, Colorado. And then they make a rehearsal. Now this guy, again, he's a trip, mm-hmm. and uh, again, just watch the show. But what happens is that Nathan Fielder is—he uh, realizes that he needs to add another element to this, and he's forgetting the emotion side of things. So he adds an extra stake. To what this guy's going through and adds a whole nother storyline that this guy is not aware of. And he's he's a spider in Nathan Fielder's web right now because he wants to add an additional stake to what's happening here because he thinks that that's going to help him because he's struggling with having these conversations with his, you know, actor brother and he wants to raise the stakes. And so I, I won't go what into what happens there, but it is it's genius, it's hilarious, it's also very simple. And the beauty in it is the simplicity of what they do. Because if you look at it from on paper, you're like, how could anyone believe <laughs> this ridiculous thing that's happening? But the the emotional result that happens because of that is that what choked you up? Because when, oh yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah,
1: it, it's interesting too, because when we're dealing with a show about a fake reality and rehearsing real life, what he had done is he kind of, it feels like he solved the problem in the rehearsal. Yeah. And it ruined it. And I don't know, man, just the like emotional reaction you get out of this guy, it like fucking, it got me. Randy, any, any emotion out of you during this episode? No.
2: <laughs> other you think than that, other than that, I liked it a lot more than the, uh, the previous two uh like clark i was kind of disappointed with the first episode that it was kind of just one episode and i kind of needed something more to like latch on to so i'm digging that this is like uh at least i don't know i'm guessing at least one more episode with uh the same uh same person um but you yeah, know it's it's a i like how much more like surreal and weirder it's getting and the more they kind of like pull back the cameras to like show the like timer for like how long the kids can act like that was very I don't know yes. I just like all that stuff and it, it's almost starting to feel like a Spike Jones Charlie Kaufman movie or something yeah Ooh.
1: well I think they are now here's my theory again we're only three episodes in but I think they're kind of unraveling how people get locked up in a like internet bubble like say you got into QAnon And uh, they're kind of showing how you can like craft your own reality. Because one of the things we didn't mention is that this girl just couldn't find a date, but she needed some help. So Nathan was like, Hey, maybe there's an opportunity here and I can do it. He's like, we could be in a strictly platonic relationship and I'll live in the house with you and help raise this kid. Yeah. And he's now participating in this thing. So his job of crafting the show affects his, also faux real life of raising this fake kid with this girl who's also a part of the show and they go to lengths there's one thing i'll end on this he talks about how uh they deal with the kid aging because every week they take giant leaps in the kid aging but he's supposed to age too and the farm should be growing crops so the way they deal with the farm is that they go to a store they go to Safeway and they plug in carrots in the ground and then they harvest in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, because it has to feel real. But the way they deal with him aging, it freaked me out in a way that I've been thinking about. And he's like, I I could not even attempt to get his cadence down. He's got some monotone, hilarious approach. But he talks about how uh, you have to go to extreme lengths and that you know you've really gone there when you replace all the mirrors in the house with digital mirrors that use face masking technology to aid you and there's one shot at the end of episode three where he's looking in a mirror but he looks old but he's turning around and it matches there's no lag or anything man it really freaked me out <laughs> because think now on this show i always talk about mirrors rep- representing duality and this is episode 360 and When you have a character looking in the mirror, that usually is a visual way to show that they're reflecting and they're kind of taking everything in. But when you're looking at a fake representation of yourself, it almost it it, it like distorts that and it makes it like you're you're thinking about shit, but your footing is wrong. Yeah. Or you have like the wrong perspective or it's like you've been listening to the show and taking notes of what I'm saying and there's no producers to correct every other word. So you're getting a distorted reality. And I it freaked me out, man. I don't know. I highly recommend this. I know we spent a lot of time on it. Uh, Get ready because I do want to reflect on every episode of the show. I promise we'll keep it shorter next time though. Jump. It's on HBO max. Watch it. Great show just stick with it this is a show that you cannot have your phone out during though because everything it's it's a fucking 10 pound show in an eight pound bag and if you're not paying attention to every aspect of it you're gonna miss something all right the rehearsal five stars all right you ready you need time to to queue up uh do you need to drag the female bag in here to get um our correspondence with our found footed adventure i got it i'm ready to run. all right you're ready and let's just, uh, you know what, L- let me, uh, let me intro this for new people listening to the show. Hi, this is our found footage adventurer segment where we have a field correspondent out there, Thomas Burke. He made one short film, submitted it to us, and we used it in an online and during lockdown. Uh, he came on, he made a big mistake. He came on the show. It was a guest and I put the hooks in him. Now we send him all over the planet to find found footage films and report back. He, uh, he's constantly in the field, so he writes us emails and recommendations. Uh, this week, I'm going to bring a new one to you, as Thomas Burke is at it again with the fraternity film. So let's go ahead and kick this
0: off. The TBR Report. Bought to my PLBR.com. <laughs> This week, I'm curious to hear what y'all think about Haunting on Fraternity Row from 2018, which is a found footage movie I had caught on Netflix a couple years back. I think it's available to stream on Tubi or Amazon. But either way, let's dive into the synopsis. Oh, boy. Hi, (laughs) my name is Clark. A fraternity house throws their big winter luau party, but when the fraternity brothers and co-eds begin dying horrible deaths, they discover an evil entity has taken over the house. It's quite funny to me that I keep seeing poor reception across the board with this because I very much liked it, and that's why I'm basically dying to know what you think. Any found footage frat party movie that came out prior to this likely recorded in 360p resolution. 360. Oh, Nice and had nowhere near its budget fraternity row looks like it was capped at one million dollars so perhaps what i'm trying to say is that personally speaking i think this is a well-paced and technically sound picture i'm sure others are going to play devil's advocate and propose that the storyline is unoriginal but i don't know they managed to keep the spookies at a relatively high volume and it's and it's not like this film drags on for too long Maybe the only thing dragging on is my commentary. So let me know what you think. Love you guys. Cheers. Thomas Burke, director of Found Footage Movies You've Never Heard About. Thank you, Tom. Also, Tom, uh, excellent email. Do not in sentences in prepositions. Thank you. God. You know, that echoes in my head all the time because you used to say that
1: to me. I don't even know what it means. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, fantastic. It's you're so articulate while on the field and running from demons um dude haunting on fraternity row that name couldn't say uh, run randy run <laughs> anymore <laughs> and i'll t- he, he's completely correct this movie it's it's a mixture of fucking Oh god, what was that film? Project X. Do oh you yeah. You remember that MTV film? Uh, saw it theatrically. Oh, whoa. Okay. So think Project X meets Hell House LLC. Except instead of setting up a haunt, they're setting up a luau, which is the, you know, the fraternity's big I party. Mean. Okay. <laughs> Dude, this movie is like it's weird. It feels like an 80s sex comedy. And you can tell that's mostly what they're interested in doing. There's, there's, a, there's a fair amount of scares here, but the pacing is weird. Like, I, I know Tom said it, it's well-paced, and it is for a fucking found footage movie that's an hour 40. Oh, Let boy. me say that again. That's an eternity in found Shh. footage. Here's the thing. That's arc on with the wind, dude. This movie fucking moves, man. And it's just because it's kind of like... Uh, in mysterious ways? Um, what did you name yourself today in the chat? Uh, Hurt Kreischer. Hurt Kreischer. What? What National Lampoon? Is that the the film stuff? What did he create? Bert. Bert Kreischer. Yeah. Well, he, they, Van Wilder was based on Van, him. Thank you. It it's got that vibe, dude. It's that movie. It's fucking weird. There's a huge cast of people. So it's Everybody horny. Everybody in this movie is beautiful. Yeah. And it's constantly like so. There's one dude. Who uh, the uh the ripped member of the fraternity? Uh, everybody just looks pretty. I can't I can't figure out who it was. He's never wearing a shirt, and he's trying to live up to his goal. Now he, this will be his sixth year at, in this fraternity, which uh lets you know a little bit about this character. Little Bert Crusher for the fat past five luau's, he has had a threesome. So this year he's like, dude, we're going for six. That's the kind of subplots we're gonna get in this movie. Hell yeah, but. If you're a little bit like a Chad Lott, our buddy over at Scary Thoughts, and you love a, a prophetic pothead, we also have that as our protagonist is a, you know, a, a connoisseur of uh, cannabis. And he's the only you one. You have to have that. You have to. And it's funny because, you know, we just talked about the rehearsal and like kind of creating your own little bubble. Well, in a horror movie, that can usually be the only thing that can save you. And uh, he's up on a laptop during the luau looking up the weird history of this fraternity. Now, I don't want to spend a ton of time here. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. This, If you have friends over and you're going to hang out and like have a couple beers or something, watch this fucking movie. It's easy. You can get up and leave at any point, come back in. You could uh, order pizzas, answer the door. You're not going to miss anything. But there are some pretty interesting little moments. Like We kick off the horror in this film with uh, probably my favorite pledge in the movie named NASCAR. Now, NASCAR is a little Asian boy, which for some reason makes us all the more hilarious. And the punishment they've given him is that he can only make left turns. So they call him and make him do a bunch of dumb tasks, but he can't ever turn to the right. Otherwise, they all yell at him and threaten to kill him or something. So he's given the task of bringing all the kegs into the basement. Now, while he's moving it with another extra... Uh they yell at him at the top of the stairs. Left turns only. You fucking idiot NASCAR. There's left turn. So he's like, ooh, ooh! He drops the keg. It goes rolling down these flights of stairs. And uh, ends up in the basement going through a wall. Mm-hmm. So they're like, dude, <laughs> you fucking drop the keg. And they follow him down. Well, weird thing is, it breaks through the wall and reveals a tunnel. Now Tom mentioned that it looks like this movie had a million dollars. I completely agree. Everything is crystal clear. Clarity wise, all of the set design, dude, this fucking Luau. There's a reason why it's the biggest party in this campus. They have like eight rooms. One of them's a black light room where they installed a bunch of shit. They have an indoor, um, uh, what do you call a safety guard? Is that, is that on the beach? what if you're a lifeguard lifeguard thank you safety guard (laughs) so they haven't yeah baywatch they home of safety guards now i've done a little bit of landscaping and i know how hard it is to transport sand well they fucking do it and they have a room where they have a lifeguard tower and a like giant sandbox where people are just raving. also everybody is in their fucking underwear in this movie it's all bikinis and it's very horny clark i think you would be into it but the tunnel. My God, dude, the set design, you're just like, holy shit, is this on like a lot? How did they do this? They go into the tunnel. I promise I won't give away too much. But what they find is a small room that is packed full of lamps. They're all over the walls. There's chandeliers everywhere. And in the middle of the room, it seems to be there's some satanic shit going on. Mm -hmm. It's, It's one of those things where you watch a movie and... You just know, you're never going to see a room like this in any other film. Uh, the reason for all the lamps being in there, everything is a payoff. So this one's very easy entry, and um, it's a fun fucking film. I'm actually kind of shocked I never heard about it. As uh, Tom mentioned, it came out in, t- what, 2018? Mm-hmm. This would have been a perfect, like invite your friends over during lockdown and just like it also had a different title yeah what was the other title the party crasher yeah maybe that's why i for as generic as haunting on fraternity row sounds the party crasher is even worse um we are doing a little bit of a slasher thing here but it's paranormal and i only bring this up because uh it's fucking cg town and honestly in this kind of context it works and the cg is actually pretty good how'd you feel about it
3: some of it's kind of goofy but some
1: of its <laughs> i mean all of it is goofy if you're like i don't know i don't know how many people are scared of a cg grim reaper popping up in your selfie
3: it has got like you know uh the disturbed face it does have yeah cover but it was really good anyway
1: yeah no i uh I definitely recommend this movie. Tom, I don't know how you're digging these things up. Because with the title like Haunting on Fraternity Row, this seems doomed to be in like a Walmart bin. And then, you know, somebody like me who likes this kind of shit, I'd probably pass it over. The cover's just doesn't look very original. The cover is there's, terrible. there's no way you would know this is a found footage movie. So, I don't know. Dude, Tom, you're doing God's work, man. Um, anything you want to end on, Oksana? Who, who was the hottest dude in this movie?
3: Oh, they all looked alike. <laughs> that
1: is not <laughs> true. The uh, fucking bong ripping internet sleuth. He had kind of that like charming younger brother. Oh, there's so the, the, the
0: TFW NGF?
1: Exactly. Now, the ripped guy, they, dude, this is the most national lampoon bullshit. His little brother has to stay with them during the fraternity. But of course, he's only 16, so he might get the whole party shut down and people thrown in jail. So he shows up and he's instantly hitting on girls, and they're like, Ooh, who are you? And he's got a bunch of freckles. You just, he's the only character in this movie I didn't buy. Hell yeah. And his brother's like, What are you doing, bro? Get up in your fucking room. And then his little brother beats him up <laughs> and so he makes him say uncle. Tight. Clark, I think you would love this movie.
3: <laughs> anyway. This concludes the TBR, the TBR report. This concludes the TBR report.
0: All right. This also concludes hour one of the Overlook Hour. I know. (laughs) Randy Michael. Yes, sir. This week was a week Uh that you lived your life in. And (laughs) as we know, you do this show. And sometimes art imitates life. Yes, sir. We're at the point in the show to where you have to imitate.
2: I, I will let you know that, thankfully, uh, <laughs> there was something that happened in life that uh, didn't imitate art this week that happened to me. Uh, I already texted you guys about it, but I uh, was working from home one day and I heard a thud on my window and I saw some feathers fly and a, uh, a bird had flown right into my uh, front window of my, uh, my house here out in uh, Decatur. And uh, you know, I think that happens in Hereditary. I think it happens probably in, uh, I don't know. Seems like it would happen in Hatching, that horror movie. <laughs> yeah, but right. uh, everything's been good since I uh, I waited for it to fully die, uh, and then I, I threw it in the trash can. <laughs>
0: oh, and then you, you ate it? Oh, Randy, you I didn't know that. Randy, you got to kill him. What do you mean you waited for it to fully die?
2: Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was just it was just hanging out there. It was, uh, it was How struggling. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm really, uh, cowardly when it comes to, uh, creatures oh, or animals. And uh, I didn't want to touch it God, when it was just sitting there. Would you yeah. stomp it? Dude?
1: Well, no, that's the kind of culture, you know, like the whole anti hunting thing, you realize, Hey, if you're a deer and you get shot by a rifle from a good hunter, that's the best way to go. Yeah. Instant death. You're yeah. You don't want to be torn apart by a wolf. That sucks. Also, Randy, all the movies that have birds hitting windows, yeah, it's it's not a surprise you don't know what they are because they're usually alien movies, dude. Yeah, it's usually a sign of a UFO. So I'm so. done with aliens. I, it sounds like you might be getting laid soon, dude. <laughs> I mean, we could openly <laughs> oh, hope. Mexican?
0: He's gonna get probed. Oh, that's what you meant. <laughs> Illegal.
1: Oh, <Mexican. laughs> Thank you. Oh my! God. You finally God. tuned in. <laughs>
2: So, yeah, no aliens, no, uh, no demons or anything, but um, yeah, I, had a, uh, I watched a good four movies, I think, last uh, yesterday. We had a little, little storm, so I just kind of uh, hung out and uh, watched a bunch of things, um, but ha- I did watch on Friday, I went to the theater, the Plaza Theater, again, shout out, <laughs> a movie that I will not talk about too much because I know you guys really want to see it. And I don't want to uh, ruin anything for you guys. Um, I'm surprised it's playing here. I checked your area, and it looks like Resurrection is not playing there yet.
1: It um, is not. No breathing.
2: The new uh, Re- Rebecca Hall film. Uh, director Andrew Siemens. Uh, I almost <laughs> <Wow>. watched. Yeah. <laughs> I almost watched this for Sundance, but uh, I missed my screening time. It's interesting that that's the director's last name because everybody is creaming
0: their britches over this thing. Thank you, yeah. Clark.
2: It's <laughs> pretty good. I mean, if you like, uh, you know, if you're a, a big Rebecca Hall fan like we are here and liked her in the Nighthouse or Christine, uh, it's definitely like a, you know, a psychological. Whoa, sort dude. Of, don't forget The Town. I'm not a big fan of The Town. I think I've only <laughs> seen it once. But uh, yeah, she's, she's doing great work here. Uh, very good. Tim Roth appears and plays a. Uh, a creep and he's great as well. They're both fantastic in this. Um, but yeah, I don't want to say too much, but I think if you're a Rebecca Hall fan, you should go see it. You'll probably dig it. It's, uh, IFC's putting it out and I think there was like a shutter logo, um, on the front of it too. So maybe it'll appear on shutter eventually, but yeah, it's good. Randy, what did Uh you write in letterboxd? I gave it a, uh, good old 4.5. Whoa!
1: I dude. think it's in my—it's
2: in like my top uh, Guitar five of the year so far.
1: I think it's a perfect film, then, right? Yeah, four and a half. Did God
0: come down and possess her <laughs> to make the <laughs> perfect piece of art, bro? Is this
2: the new transit,
0: dude? No, that was a Vertigo.
2: This is like uh, this is behind like Petite mama and Memoria for me this this year. Oh my god, <laughs> that's high mark, dude. Petite Maman, Petite. M- Randy, Petite, my mom, is five
0: stars, dude. I think it is. That movie's perfect. I love it's, that movie.
2: It's probably my... Uh, I think that's... I, I do have a Letterbox list going with uh, my favorites from this year. I think that's at the top so far. And Jackass 4. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> uh good. But some of the movies that I watched yesterday, I will kind of uh, quickly go through as well. Uh, I watched a Francois Truffaut movie that I had no idea, uh, existed. Oh God. I never heard of him called a uh, Mississippi mermaid. Oh shit. It came out in 1969, uh, oh, features jean Paul Belmondo and, uh, Catherine Deneuve, uh, both, uh, you know, who are very big in French cinema and other, uh, European cinema during the time. And, um, yeah, essentially this movie is about, um, Jean-Paul Belmondo's character who lives in the Island of Reunion, which is somewhere off of France. Uh, he like runs this tobacco, like cigarette plant. Um, and he gets a mail order bride. Um, Sounds like Epstein's Island, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he, he gets a mail order bride and the person who shows up is not who he thought uh, it was supposed to be from the pictures that he saw. It's actually, actually Catherine Deneuve's character you're <laughs> um, <the> a fish <laughs> yeah and she shows up and uh he kind of just you know is like okay i guess this is uh this is it she kind of has a story for why she used a different photo which i don't know you seem like that would be red flag like Ooh, from the start catfishing cat in 1969 i love it dude yeah it's the first catfish dude
1: Yeah, actually, this song was such a big hit that Mountain actually made their uh, greatest hit, Mississippi Queen, after this movie. I know that. Clark was staring at me, waiting for me to fuck up one of those details. You got it right. I'm shocked I remembered Mountain made that song. Did you Google it? No, I did. (laughs) <laughs> I thought about lying right there. I know I googled it.
0: I, I know you did.
1: <laughs> no, Mountain is one of those bands that, like Uriah Heep, people are like, oh, you like this kind of music? You'll love Uriah Heep. And it's like, eh, it's kind of like hippie shit. Although We, we almost saw Uriah Heep. I, I grew to like them. Yeah. At the, I still do not like Mountain. Sorry. Mississippi Queen's good song, though. Yeah. Mississippi Mermaid would be a better song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I will tell you, as a movie, it is not great. It, it runs out <laughs> of gas pretty quick. Uh, I really liked the first like 30 minutes and I was kind of sticking with it for like the first hour or so. Um, so essentially, uh, Catherine Deneuve's character is like a con artist and, uh, you find out that she's working for some other guy. So essentially like within the first like 40 minutes, she, uh, you know, they get married and she steals all of his money for the most part. Uh, she leaves him with like a little bit, uh, then he goes to like kind of track her down and then she, you find out she's working with some other guy. And she kind of cons him again, um, and it's like, just kind of like it's just kind of like a two hander with you know two uh, very big stars from European cinema at the time. There is like a lot of really good, um, just like locations and like you know they're both uh, very good looking people in 1969. So there's uh, there's some like you know good stuff to to watch. There's some eye candy, I guess you could say. Um, good locations and uh, cinematography. It's not the best. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I just randomly came across it and I saw that it was Belmondo and Catherine Deneuve and I was like, oh, what is this? And then I uh, saw it was Francois Truffaut, so gave it a watch and uh, yeah, it's okay. I think if you're like a you know Truffaut completist, um, check it out. But otherwise, I not a big fan.
1: I'm sure everybody listening can. Yeah, how many Truffaut completists (laughs) do we have? They're
2: like, oh, it's Bel Deneuve and it's Truffaut. (laughs) I can tell you, we have one. His name is Tony Pelham. Tony! <laughs> I, I don't talked know, to I, him on the Discord last night. Oh, shit. I like a broad Comedy. running a, running a scam.
0: Oh, okay. You know? I like yeah. that. I'm into that.
2: That right. happened so early in the movie that it, like, it kind of, uh, I don't know, from there it's just, I don't know, like I said, it kind of runs out, runs out of gas early, but.
0: Uh, Randy, may I guess what you rated this on Letterbox? Sure. Two and a half. Three. Three.
1: Mm. Yeah, Truffaut, dude, come on. Yeah, it's true the fuck
2: yeah i didn't hate it it's <laughs>
0: fine do a knife
2: what uh, uh one of the other movies that i saw yesterday was the movie clute with jane fonda this is another uh oh, alan yeah. J. pakula film uh who directed the parallax view which i saw a couple weeks ago and talked about here yeah, i love you <laughs> randy get a clue <laughs> i'll try <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is another uh, 70s paranoia, uh, early New York uh, kind of CD movie um, thriller, uh, which Gordon Willis also shot this one. I mentioned shot Parallax View and also The Godfather and probably a ton of other things. And, uh, you know, I'd always heard about this movie as well. And it's also on a Criterion Blu-ray. And I always, you know, f- shopping around Criterion sales, I always kind of saw the cover and I'd heard about it a lot and I know Jane Fonda won an Oscar for it and I don't know, it just seemed like it was a, there was a lot of like hype around the movie so I think I kind of just avoided it because, I don't know, I just wasn't sure if I was going to love it but uh, I, I loved it. It's, it's really good. It's, like I said, it's, it's early New York, it's uh, Jane Fonda, you got an early uh, Donald Sutherland who looks kind of creepy but uh, his character, he plays uh, the Klute character um, yeah, I don't know. There's, I mean, I'm sure plenty of people have much better things to say about this movie, and there's uh, some Criterion essays and stuff about it. But um, yeah, it's really good if you're into, you know, sort of like noiry crime thrillers. Like I said, paranoia, early 70s shit is, uh, I don't know, I'm really into that, that sub-genre, which I feel like doesn't have a lot of movies, but, you know, blowout, conversation, clute, all that stuff is, is my jam. <laughs> That title just gets me every Clip. time yeah it's good
1: three three it. and a
2: half uh, i give it a four
1: whoa i'm off my game today God damn it's good didn't you hear him mention that there were criterion articles
0: about it <laughs> it's true <laughs> the clues were there Yeah, i'm just you know sure i'd be a terrible detective yeah you'd miss so the- many murders would go cold case
1: you would never solve oh. the
0: murder of the Mississippi mermaid. No you'd way. You'd look right over all the clues. No, and I would be invested in that one. You know, you'd think I'd put a little extra juice in there. I don't know. Do you think we should aim for a Clute uh, Clux Klan joke? Oh, <laughs> very nice.
2: Just include. Oh. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right, Randy, your turn. <laughs> Uh, that's all that I that I wrote down. I did, however, also watch a Roman Polanski film that is uh, oh that never came God. out in the U.S. and it's God. it's okay, oh. An Officer and a Spy from 2019. Um, it never came out in the U.S. because Roman Polanski and uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> good you, explanation. You, you,
2: you can find it, but uh, I don't know. It's it's okay. It's a historical drama, and uh, I don't know. Not great. Two and a half. Uh, I think I gave it a three as well. I don't know. It probably we could be a two name. and a half. Hey, so how did you watch it? Uh, I'm out there on the internet. You know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, shit. It's hard to
2: get. He sleuths Are they blocking it from the internet in America? No. It just like never got an American release. Oh. Uh, you like it came it. out in France. Okay. Did, but it uh, never came out here theatrically.
0: Was this a uh, VPN tour situation? So weird.
1: A little bit. Yeah. You know, he should have just went to fucking jail. Then we could celebrate him. Just like Jeepers Creepers with its fourth installment <laughs> coming out. You know, you, you do the crime,
0: you pay your time, and then you can keep making movies. Oh, Randy, I need you to look up something on tour for me, Dave. Okay. How to, test, uh, cocaine, uh, how to test cocaine for fentanyl.
2: It's called wanna... Narcan. <laughs> oh, no, never mind. That's what you do if you accidentally OD. Yep.
0: Yeah, sod so
1: Also,
2: when, when Clark
0: mentioned uh, Look
1: Up on Tour, it's not like Randy's touring with the band. He's talking about the Dark Web Browser Tour. Yeah, which Randy ref- has refused to install on my computer for decades. Well, it's not It's like easy to install. Yeah, and you actually need to install it to get the new Roman Polanski film.
0: Are <laughs> <laughs> right, Randy, anything else? No, sir. <sighs> A while ago. Okay. Now, as 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 you know, we we are right, a couple things to talk about. Number one, before I get into this, I do need to explain. I should have done this at the beginning, but we had a lot of things going on today. It's a big episode. It's three hundred sixty. It's a, it's a celebration. But I do need to explain very briefly why we missed Thursday's episode. Oh yeah, duh. <laughs> I knew there was something we missed. Um. I had a pain in my leg <laughs> that was in a s- somewhat peculiar and inconspicuous area. It was on the lower, s- underneath my kneecap. I would say the best best way No,
1: under your kneecap or the back of your knee. I would say back of my knee. So, like when you're where like your the knee top bends. of the
0: top of my calf. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, and like right at the, at the joint. Yeah. Um that was hurting there for a while. And naturally the first thing that came to my mind was a blood clot. <laughs> so because I, I I you know I'm I'm a I'm a rather clumsy man and I also move a lot in my sleep and sometimes I'll wake up with scratches all over <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I'll bang something. Um so you know what I'm talking about. But so but it, but where this <laughs> particular area is, it just didn't make sense to me um, because it's so, you know it's underneath it's sort of protected. You know what I mean? It's got the the shell of my kneecap. Because yeah, you're possessed. Well, I was talking to my boss about. I was like, "Hey, I'm just going to go to the doctor tomorrow uh, to kind of see what's going on with this." And plus, I need to go to the doctor anyway. I get and as I turned out, when I changed over my insurance, now I have to change over my my general uh, practitioner uh, does not accept the current insurance I have. So now I got to change doctors. So I learned that as well. And she freaked out because her brother-in-law passed away from a blood clot. And so she freaked <laughs> me out. She was freaking out. She freaked me out, told me to go to urgent care. I went to urgent care. They looked at me like I was an insane person, mm-hmm. um, which was okay. Very nice guy. Um, but if I do die, then you guys need to, you know, continue with my wrongful death lawsuit. Um, his name is William, and he works at the uh, urgent care clinic next to the subway, the sandwich <laughs> shop, which is also near our Bay Area subway barred station. Now, I, I still don't know what it is. I'm fine. It is not a blood clot. Um, and it also still hurts. Now... Here, let me give you a little bit of perspective on this thing.
1: So we got a text from Clark the day that we were going to do an interview. And he said, hey, I'm going to urgent care. I got a blood clot. I know. Now, <laughs> to me, I felt like, you know, that was the conversation we would have in the hallway. Because my first reaction would be, are you a fucking idiot? You dumbass. You wake up all the time and you're like... I can't breathe, I'm dying. Or you'll be like, oh, am I a is one leg shorter than the other? Or, (laughs) oh, I think I had a minor heart attack. It's like, it's always something. And I'm like, why do you think that? You're like, I looked on the internet. And I'm like, okay. So I knew.
0: Well, I did. That's the internet told me I had deep vein
1: thrombosis. (laughs) So
2: I... I thought you had main vein thrombosis.
1: So I was just like, okay, this is fine. Whatever. Like, uh, so then... I didn't realize that ev- nobody else understood this. At least, you know, in our text, Randy probably got it. Oxana was like, oh, what the hell? But then we, I thought Randy had put out a tweet that was like, hey, no episode. Clark went to the ER uh, with a blood clot or something. I can't remember. I read that tweet and laughed. Yet we got a bunch of responses saying, dude, I hope you're okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I, wrote the, I wrote the tweet. Okay. All y'all thought it was Randy. The only people who knew it was me was probably me and Randy, because yeah. Randy knew he didn't write it. Yep. Um, and again, we were the only ones who like got it, because everyone else thought it was serious. Yep. And I was like, oh, that was not my intent for people to care about me. <laughs> but um, thank you for everyone who has reached out. Um, I also had people from home reach out. Now, my, my, oh, my oh family my does not know this, so I, just, I didn't tell them, because I just don't want to worry them. That would have been... Yeah, I was like, no, so I just was like, I didn't tell them. I I talked to them uh, yesterday as well. Now, there's another
1: thing that came up where it's like, here, you went there and the doctor looked at you
0: like, what the fuck,
1: man? Like, you're fine.
0: Well, I mean, he was just, honestly, you know, here's the thing with doctors. I think that, you know, naturally they do come across this hypochondriac thing, but on the other side of the thing, it's like, well, you know, it's because they can get bored it's like well it's very rare but let's take a look so you know it it, it may be a little you know intrigued there um but you know naturally you know it it, you know first of all i'm not a candidate for blood clots um also i will say that the doctor did call me a healthy 35 year old which i thought was very nice because that is not true but um clearly wasn't giving you a mental diagnosis that's right
2: yeah
0: (laughs) um But yeah, and also, yeah, I was, uh, dude, and also yesterday, I I mean, not yesterday, but when I went in there, um, for whatever reason, like now, I don't, I don't know what has happened. I don't know what has changed. And it may just be with my medication with, you know, uh, anxiety and how I'm feeling with things Mm -hmm. where I'm more comfortable now, because now I'm, I'm making jokes with doctors and that's something I would never do. Yeah give us a taste. I don't even remember, but I uh, but I was like trying to, you know, hold court in uh-huh. there. huh Yeah. Um and that was weird. That's yeah, good. So that's new. Fuck it. I'm very much, you know, mind my own business out there. You're the just public. comfortable. It's good. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable with being comfortable. I get it. Now. So you'll get used to it. All right. So that's it. I am fine for now. Uh but tune in next week when I have a new ailment. That's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now We've established, uh, for I would say uh, years at this point, um, a, a sort of impromptu fake segment that we have on the show uh, called the movie cuck. Now, what you need to know is that this is a term that I created. <laughs> um, I don't remember the specific film, but I believe you were the first one to do it to me, and then I would in turn do don't it to you. Don't blame me. So um, I didn't
1: do that to you. You, you movie cuck. You started me. going out of your way. To watch things that you thought I would want to watch with you. In retaliation. Yeah. To what? Because you cucked me first. (laughs) No. (laughs) You to create a
0: segment, there must have been a lot of like energy there. So, for you not to even remember... No, it was, you watched a movie that I wanted to watch. And we said... No, it's not even that I wanted to watch. That we said we would watch together. Now, I understand this is a very peculiar thing because... We have a weird relationship. Mm-hmm. We live together. We work together. We have fun together. We socialize <laughs> together. It's it's a very incestuous relationship we have here. And, you know, we, you know, there's a little bit of work in play, and sometimes there's a distinguishing factor between those two things, and sometimes we have to have the discussion of whether or not can we just hang out and watch a movie, or is this a work movie? Is this a homework movie? Because we have to do a lot of homework movies, uh-huh. and then we want to watch movies that just, you know, for that fun. This is very real. Exactly. Yeah. So... This whole, this whole thing happened because you watched something that we said we were going to watch, and then I got angry, and so then I watched a movie that you said that you wanted to watch together as a group, and then that is how the movie cuts No, she
1: I remember born. how it started now. It was when Chris and Lee were over here. You watched one of my fucking mafia movies that I had been holding on, but you are like, Chris wanted to watch it.
0: That may be it. Yep, that's how it started. You know, there's two <laughs> sides to every story, <laughs> and on every coin. i bring this up to talk about what happened most recently on friday i'm worried now. on friday um now again uh going a little bit behind the curtain here uh but we are in discussions with with booking a guest on the show and a future guest on the show has a movie coming out now this is a a rather big movie um it's uh now it's it's going to be part two of possibly a franchise yeah nope too and, jordan peele will be on the yes, show <laughs> thank you very much and the original movie yeah, this was a big you know hollywood Harb summer blockbuster film and now the prequel has come out and it is currently on embargo which is fancy for saying we can't talk about Embargadero. It. so we were talking about watching this as a homework film well little to my knowledge Uh, These two jerk-offs sitting across the table from me decided that they were going to watch it on their own with Terrell on their little Friday (laughs) drag queen jerk-off night. So they watched this and they movie cucked me because this was a homework assignment that we were supposed to watch together. And they watched it on their own with the double feature from the first film in the franchise. So... Yes, naturally, I got upset, because I am dedicated to the show, (laughs) and I am dedicated to processes, and if we don't have our processes, what do we have? Okay, Uh, Hindsight, 360 episode. So, by virtue of that, I decided that I had to movie cook you back. It was time for revenge. Now, here's the interesting part of the movie cook, is that I had a great idea on how to movie cook you, okay, (laughs) but I didn't do it. Because of two reasons. Number one, I wasn't sure if the idea was as good as I thought it was in my head because it was high. Okay. And number two, it required a lot of effort. Okay. So I'll tell you what I was planning to do, and then I'll tell you how I executed the movie cook. Is everyone on the same page? Yep. I'm worried. As I've talked about with you before, and... Um, I, I still stand by this. No, I was going to break my own rule to movie cuck you. Okay. I was going to go downstairs. I was going to find a movie that still had the cellophane wrap oh, yeah, on. Yeah. I was going to record a video of me <laughs> unwrapping the cellophane. I <laughs> was going to make it really pervy. Uh huh. And then I was going to watch the movie. Oh, there's too much effort there. And I was going to send you a file of me doing it. You would have never done that. That's what that's I was going to do. It was a lot of work. Didn't happen. Yeah. But that's what I was going to do. Also, the rapper thing came from the
1: Chris and Lee thing. Because you had a conversation with him about, oh, should we open it? And you're oh, like, yeah, nah, it feels wrong. That was the thing. It does feel yeah. wrong. I but, know, that's why I leave But that's around. why I was going to do
0: it. <laughs> that would have worked. But that was a pretty good idea, that right? That would worked, yeah. 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 It didn't happen. Again, too much effort. Then we could have shared that video online. It would have went great. So what I did do um, was purchase the new Alex Jones documentary and watch that instead. Oh, was it good? Here's the deal. Um, it's worth watching. Okay. And I think you should watch it. Um, is it a puff piece? I don't know if I'm fully comfortable
1: saying that it's a puff piece. Um, so you mean like propaganda to make him look better or?
0: Yeah. Here's, oh, that would be lame. It's, 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 it's interesting. All right. So the, the film is called Alex's war, which possibly look, I think is an opportunity for that to be a double meaning. Because the director of this film is Alex Lee Moyer, who is, uh, I would say, is a uh, you know very cute uh, young lady with bangs, who exactly who looks like someone that would show up to one of Randy's band shows.
2: <laughs> Hell yeah, uh, Randy! I think you'd be. I think this is uh, Randy speed. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he's nodding his head, Randy. Uh, he's- I'm googling as I as you speak. Okay, she's in the Kloot
0: Klux Klan. That's what Clark's trying to Thank say you so much, but. It doesn't, you know, she has no part. I mean, she, her presence is not felt in the documentary as a person at all. Um, so, you know, I don't think that there is a double meaning of that title there, which I think, you know, could warrant that because if you're making a documentary about Alex Jones, you're in slippery slope territory, man. And uh, this movie goes out for rental next week. Um, it is available to purchase. Uh which I had to do for $19 um, through iTunes. Now, if you go on iTunes, all the new movies are going to be listed there. <laughs> this one's not. You got to search for it. And even with that, I think it's trending at like number four. Yeah. So, um, you know, naturally, it's going to have its own little fan base there. Uh, but I, I just wanted to see what this was. Because uh, here's my relationship with Alex Jones. I view Alex Jones as um, a showman. As a clown. And uh, when I say that, ladies and gentlemen, I mean that as a term of respect. Yeah. Um, because that's what's important to me. Um, you know, there are a few things on this planet I love more than a showman. Uh, the kookaburra wings at Outback Steakhouse. All right? Saggy titties on a middle-aged woman. And a showman. Okay. These are things that I love. <laughs> In that order. In that order. And I say what you will about Alex Jones. I, 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 the thing is, is that, yes, does he take things a little too far? Yes. But the performance art is incredible. And there's a lot to like there. And I think that's why so many comedians are yeah. drawn to Alex Jones, yep. because they see it. Yeah. And, and I see it, you see it. And, you know, we're, we're, and, you know, yes, he made a mistake with the Sandy hook thing. We We all know about that. He knows about that. The documentary, we talk a little bit, uh, it goes a little bit into his, you know, how he starts. And then it goes basically into the greatest hits of Alex Jones. Um, we, it shows a lot of the Bohemian Grove oh, footage. okay, cool. Um, a little bit behind the scenes of the Bohemian Grove stuff. Um, look, we have access here. Okay. She's with Alex Jones for, oh, the, for the thing. Uh, we also have access on January 6th where she's with him on January 6th. But it's just, you want more of that. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, the footage, and the the film ends on the January 6th stuff, and it shows him trying to control the situation. And then the media portraying him, you know, that he was one of the fire starters. Okay, yeah. But everything that we see is, is like, he's like, guys, we're not, he, and this is, you know, again, Alex Jones' words, he's like, we're not Antifa, we're not BLM, Peaceful protesting is what we're doing here today. So we're going to go around the other side. He was trying to control the situation and it was clear that it was, it had gotten out of his control. And we see that. We see that in the documentary. And so there is good access here, but you know, you don't really still get a feel of who Alex Jones is. And that's always sort of an important part. It, it, look, his son shows up in the movie in the last scene of the movie. Oh. Where they're shooting assault ri- assault rifles. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rex shows up. And and Rex is like, well, Dad really loves nature. And and then he's, and Alex is just sort of like, shut up, shut up, Rex. Let's go shoot rifles. <laughs> enough, enough. Everybody loves nature. <laughs> but it's, um, you know, the... The early, early Alex Jones. This is interesting stuff. When he. When he had hair. Yes. And how he got a start. Mm -hmm. He basically got a start on public access in Austin. And there was another guy who was like the main conspiracy theory guy. He's always been the conspiracy theory guy. And he talked about being a 13 year old reading every goddamn conspiracy book known to man Mm -hmm. reading, you know, the art of war. He was reading all this, you know, military literature at 13. And, you know, that is what built the monster that is Alex Jones today. (laughs) But essentially, you know, um, it was this conspiracy theory host in Austin. And then Alex Jones just obliterated it and just like everyone saw the shining star that was alex jones yeah. where it was just you know he had charisma he had the facts he just knew how to talk and that is what you know got him to where he is and like the man is an entertainer and the man is an encyclopedia and the he's he's sharp and he's a salesman. And he sells more than his supplements. <laughs> and, you know, there's just, there's a lot to be attracted to that. But again, because of... and The other thing is that, you know, people want to paint him as a right-wing nut job. Well, people, what most people don't realize is that, you know, he was very much against the Bush family. Oh, dude. Uh, enormously yeah, so. Yeah. And, you know, still to this day hates george w bush oh, yeah. and you know that's the thing it's like you know it's not just the the right wing thing it's all it all ties back to the globalist and the bush are globalist mm-hmm. and it you know the party lines thing has always been kind of blurry by him um because it, you know say what you will but he's sticking to his guns and you know they go into the sandy hook thing but it's not a sandy hook documentary and it's kind of a gloss over thing and they don't really talk about the lawsuit a whole lot they show a little bit from you know him being interviewed by the cia and all that stuff but um again it's it's we get a little bit of the greatest hits
1: here do do they ask him about uh his defense in that case where he was saying he was doing a character no not really and you know it's funny cuz you're talking about we don't really get to know him Well, I think we got a fucking Andrew Dice Clay situation here, where like a long time ago, there might have been another person, but I think the performer is the
0: person. Yeah, he's become that. It's very possible. But we don't know that. That's the thing. It's like, we didn't spend a day. We we never went to his home. Oh, that's, you know, we never went to his home. Yeah. And that's the thing, man. That matters a lot. And I think that if we wanted to explore more into Alex Jones, the person, you got to go to the home for sure. You know, um, because that, that's, that's where that life force is. And even with all the cameras and stuff, just by a person, just naturally being at their home, the guard's going to go down. (laughs) I truly believe that. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you just hang around there and, you know, I, I just, we, we never got that. So, you know, naturally there's a lot to cover here. He's a very interesting polarizing subject. Um, and you know, it's definitely worth seeing, but you know, I don't really know who this is for. I get it. Because it's not going to, uh, and if you read, you know, the reviews there, it's exactly what you think it's going to be. Yeah. His fans are saying it's the greatest thing ever. Um, and then other people are saying that, you know, it's complete trash and are uh, attacking the filmmaker. Um, and I, uh, so, you know, it certainly is not warranted of that. And so that, that's part of the reason why I want to kind of support this. Cause I was like, look, man, you know, if you're going into, you know, a slippery slope, like Alex Jones, like, you know, you, you gotta kind of know what you're going now, in for here.
1: I have, uh, you know, I have always thought he was like hilarious and I liked, uh, he's a fantastic personality, but I also, saw him as going highly like corporate, like he was making money at a certain point and he would sit there and like kind of berate like regular news, except you look at his show and you're like, you're copying it and you have like hot girl. Like he's doing every, all the shit that makes, uh, you know, traditional journalism kind of cringe in the modern age. He's doing it. So I've always looked at him as kind of just like a, uh, almost like a comic book empire where it's all kind of like, you're either in on the joke or you just don't fuck with him. But I've always seen him as somebody who made a ton of money. That's why when you mention like, oh, you're taking a risk making the doc. I'm like, fuck, no, you're not. They're going to make a shitload of money off of this thing. Even if it's like shadow banned everywhere. Yeah. That they're going to make a yeah a pretty penny. So it's just kind of a bummer that artistically it sounds like it's not that great.
0: I mean, no, I'm not, again, I don't want to say it's it's that it's not. Yeah, but uh, I wanted
1: like a ride along like Cinema verte, Like we're waking not, up with them. Yeah.
0: It's flashy. I get it. Uh, there is a score throughout most of this two-hour, ten-minute runtime. Okay. Ooh, I don't like that. You know. Um. But no, there's there's good stuff in here. I, yeah. And um, you know, I think that some of the reviews are saying that you know it's just a compilation of YouTube stuff. That's not that's not fair. Um. You know that we we do have some privileged moments here that are very interesting. Also, he's got a guy on his team. That is one of the most vile humans I've ever <laughs> experienced in my life. He looks like a young Chuck Berry, and it is bizarre. That guy fucking sucks. Dude, how many scions did he wreck? I don't know. That guy's an <laughs> asshole. He was yelling at Alex. It was, yeah, that, I don't know. That was, that was a good scene. They were like at the Georgia State Capitol, um, you know, protesting and <laughs> st- whatever they Whatever. Doing. But, um, No. Russell, as yeah. a, as a fan, you should definitely see this. Oh, it's um, long though; it's over two hours, right? Yeah, nah. two ten. We cover a lot of ground though. Okay, Alex's War, six stars. All right, you got a you gotta... six stars for January six. Oh God. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, okay, on this is you're listening to this on Tuesday. On Thursday, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, we will be having a Thursday episode. It's already in the can. I just got to do a little QC, make sure everything's looking good, making sure, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, making sure that it is the best sounding episode for you and me. (laughs) And not even a blood clot can ruin this one. Not even a BC can take (laughs) me down. Spider One. Chrissy Fox. Thursday, Spider-One is the front man of Power Man 5000 and his paramour, Chrissy Fox. Chrissy Fox, let me tell you something right now. She's out there. She's she's made a feature film, Russell Fisher. She's been in bands all over the place. Theory of a Dead Man. She wrote a song with them. I know that band. Randy, you know that band? No, sir. (laughs) You're not cool, dude. Anyway. Um how great was that episode? How great is that talk? that was a lot of fun. go great. You never
1: know whenever again this was a result of one of our PR uh sojourns. I don't I don't know where I'm going with that. But whenever we're going through a publicist, we kind of don't have the luxury of like an email back and forth and you kind of can feel somebody out there. So when we're coming in and again, it's a fucking press tour. You know we're going to be dealing with a tired dude who's kind of over hanging out with jerk offs like us. Yeah, so we're really in a position where it's kind of like, okay, we got my honestly.
0: When we go into those, I just want them to have fun. Hundred percent. That's the main goal. That's it. Because we know, look, when you're when you're on a press junket, that's one thing. But when you're on a podcast dude, press that, junket, what a nightmare! That's a different thing. And <laughs> we've we've been doing this again six years. 360 episodes we've had our fair share of being as a part of the press junket so we know the amount of absolute trash that they have to go through and uh these are painful episodes now the reason why we know they're painful is because we listen to some of them in our research yes we actually do research and here's the thing guys we're fucking better than <laughs> That's just what I want.
1: No, dude, I remember the episode. It was uh, 229 with Stephen uh, Kostansky, and we had him for 15 minutes. And I just remember thinking, my God, because after we went and we looked up other interviews he had done and we got him back, he came back on episode. Uh, he said he'd come back and he did 232. And I, I remember opening
0: up with that, just going like, God, man, I'm sorry, dude. But that's why that's why Kostansky like, well, first of all, Kostansky is Canadian. Yeah, And all Canadians are sweethearts yeah. Also, you know who else is Canadian? Chrissy Fox Oh, makes sense From Vancouver, yeah. which I forgot to ask her if she knew who Steve Cosmic was <laughs> Who was that joke for? I mean, if it's for Me any- and you? Yeah, exactly And that's how I operate this show I don't care about the listeners Hey, um, can you put Steve It's not about them, dude
1: Cosmic on a list to get on the show? <laughs> Thank
0: yeah. you Oh like Well, this? Steve Cosmic is on another list <laughs> I can tell you that <laughs> Uh, we talked about Steve Cosmic a lot, and if you don't know who it is, catch up. So, Spider-One, his feature film debut, Allegoria. Now, the reason why I'm setting up this this particular way is because, now again, we will go into this on the Thursday episode, but I want to set you up for Thursday. We were not able to see the film prior to the interview for... A reason that will be explained (laughs) on Thursday's episode. But we have this. We had the screener. um, What an hour before we were talking to those guys. (laughs) A little bit before, so that's okay. Did I just burp? (laughs) Sorry, it's the Mountain Dew Baja Blast (laughs) Zero Sugar. I've had two and a half. Oh my god! I feel a little (laughs) nauseated. And that smelt like, a little like, like nutter butter. I like how you were just going to keep rolling on. Yeah, I was. But I knew I had to stop. Because I'm sorry. Because you're not a professional guy. I should have cut my mic. I should have just let the audience be like, what the fuck? No, I was going to trust Randy to take it out. <laughs> <laughs> so we weren't able to watch the film, but, but we watched it yesterday. So that's why we want to talk about Allegoria for Thursday's fantastic show. Um, Allegoria is now here's the thing, Russell, you, you actually listened to spider one on the movie crypt Mm -hmm. uh, where he was promoting the film. Um, You said that, you know, it, because when we were watching it, I wasn't aware that this was an anthology Yeah, and you were like, well, it is. And it is defend your thesis. Um,
1: I don't know. I don't, it's weird. I have a hard time even calling it like a traditional film, like a movie. Um, what we're dealing with here is like the spectrum of art as it relates to a film, like the craft of a film. So we're kind of dealing, this is kind of a light spoiler. I don't know if I want to get too into it, but I think a little bit of context would actually help a viewing. We're kind of running through all of the steps it would take to make a film, and there's kind of this um, unspoken film lingering in the background that we're a part of. So we open up with one of Clark's favorite actors.
0: Well, the great, the great John Ennis yeah. is in this from Mister Show, and, and um, he's also he's also a guy. He's got like 200 credits. Uh, you know him if you see. Him. He's a fantastic character actor, and in the
1: movie we open up where he is uh, essentially a. Acting teacher. Acting coach. Acting coach there. I could not think of the word. By Gene Cousineau from HBO's Barry. We do a very... Now, I'm mixed about this because this one opens up and it sets the tone for the movie. First, he's fucking fantastic. And he's just giving a kind of like monologue, uh, one actor on a stage in a spotlight performance, and he fucking he crushes it. You can't look away from the dude. Yeah. And then like uh like you'll hear when we talk to Spider this is an indie film he's going a different route than his brother and he's not playing the studio game and this is all him and like his friends god when you look at the credits him and Chrissy did fucking everything on this movie his brother being Rob Zombie Rob, Have Zombie. we establish that? No. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, he's uh Rob Zombie's little brother. We get into it on the show. Anyway, it's a very different approach. And when you open like this, we pivot into like a lot more indie actors and it kind of raises the bar for acting in the rest of the film but also you mention it being a uh anthology and i feel weird with that because it's an anthology kind of in the way that the movie holiday was or it's like like uh holidays holidays well what, what's the movie where it's the abc's of death yeah it's kind of like that where there's not a like it's not like we break away for the main storyline and we have a character reflecting on what we're watching and it's kind of like you get the rhythm of the movie. Like in ABCs The death, you know that we're dealing with a letter and that's what ties these all together. Well, in this film we open up with acting and then we move into like a, uh, an illustrator who's a oil painter. Then, you know, we move into screenplay writing and the problem without addressing that right off the bat is it kind of takes over the movie. Like you're like, Oh, okay. What's the gimmick now? A photo artist. And honestly, I think he makes a really good point about it. And it's kind of, I don't know. We live in a digital age and art has just kind of become a thing that we distract ourselves with from life. And, you know, without a little bit of reflection or really thinking about, art it tends to just become kind of like moving pictures on a wall like oh that was interesting what am I going to do now and this film kind of pauses on that and it reflects on like the struggle of writing a script and if a, a good um screenplay writer who's really transporting himself into the middle of a slasher and kind of working through that but in a visual art way I think his like thesis on this film like the message he's getting across man, it totally nailed it. And I was like, you know, I really do want to slow down and think more about art because it is powerful and getting like a visceral reaction out of somebody is a goal. Yet this as a movie on its own, it doesn't really feel like a movie to me. I don't know. I, I, want to I enjoyed this. I did too, but it's weird. And I think that's why I like yeah, it. Yeah, weird's good. It's, I don't even know what to compare it to. Because honestly, comparing it to ABC's The Death doesn't feel right. But it does feel more like that than a traditional film. Which, this is one of those movies where you'll come in and you'll be like, okay, I see what he's doing here. Not a lot of money. Definitely some ideas. And it's
0: one of those films where you're like, I just really want to see what he does next. Yeah. Not a lot of money. But, I, you know, I, I... I, We're not cutting corners here. No, not at we're all. We're not cutting corners. And, in fact, um, there's a creature... Uh, that's involved, where we both were highly impressed. Hold on. Now, see, this is the type of film we're talking about where
1: Clark just mentioned uh, being highly impressed, and I want to ask, which one? Because there's a bunch of the special effects in here are fantastic. The Teeth Monster. Okay, yeah. I actually, there's I kind of like another one even more. The Teeth Monster was good. Yeah, honestly, so this is a very thoughtful film about, like, kind of digesting horror. There's a movie within the movie called uh big baby killer what was it big baby big baby that was maybe the meanest (laughs) takedown of a slasher i've ever seen and he even calls into um speculation kind of uh the men women and chainsaws book like the feminist theory or even the anima animus thing that i learned from cinematic oblivion yeah and it's all done in like a subtle way I fucking love it. Thank you for including that at the end of the film. At, yeah, post-credits,
0: you, we actually yeah. have all of Big Baby. Dude, and it's great. I loved it. And including the credits, the post-credits, and, of course, our feature presentation, uh, we're under 70 minutes. Dude. And um, I've heard him on other
1: podcasts that were, which made me worry for him coming on this one, where they're just like, oh, the runtime, And he's like, hey, it's as long as it needed to be. Yeah. And Spy gets it. Fucking thank you. Fuck the ninety-minute thing. Let's keep it short if we want. And um, for musicians coming into film, you always are like a little hesitant about how their music design. Well, again, Chrissy yeah was an actor as well. Who yeah. yeah, so she yeah she gets it. So they come in and uh, she's great in the film. The music is great too. There's even a band in the film, and it's like, what are we gonna do here? Hey, they perform that song. It's great. It's it's fucking good, and the sound design, and everything. Also, I
0: love the uh, the credit sequences and oh, the theme.
1: Yeah, it was great. Um, and if you're wondering about like Spider and Chrissy, as far as like uh the type of taste they have, Spider one is totally the other guy who would be on Amazon Prime going, "Oh, is this Marie Loubon? Oh, the <laughs> Truffaut film. He, I love it, and I he's a calculated motherfucker." You got to listen to that interview, I because I am huge fans of these two now. Great, dude, love them. I was actually kind of shocked. I didn't know. I grew up uh, listening to Power Man Five Thousand and being like, "Oh, do I like Adema or them more?" Because Adema had the lead singer with Jonathan Davis's little brother. Oh,
2: I forgot about
1: that. Yeah. About Adema
3: that that it was his brother. Yeah, and they
1: came out around the same time. And this is kind of where
0: Spider One has like. Occupied my
3: well, see, it's very interesting
0: because you know, uh, you know, as you know, I'm a Gallagher fan, but I was much more a (laughs) Gallagher 2 fan. Oh my god, who was his brother? Also, that's not true. Okay, I didn't even want to question, but I mean, it is true that it happened, but you understand, yeah. Uh, so check
1: it out Allegoria, which should, um, by the time our interview airs, we talk about a Rue Morgue interview or like screening
3: a live screaming screening that um it's Rune gonna Org be just putting on with them in the audience like a q a during the movie yeah it will have happened
0: the by the time before. this episode goes well, we up. can we can um, we can put that out on twitter yeah i have yeah. the link already. okay perfect yeah
3: they are um, also working on two other movies together since they do have a production company one fox productions so they have other stuff in the works that i would be i'm really excited to see when they happen
1: yeah, super excited. I'm fans, man. 100%. They're great. Alright. Russell John. My turn? Okay, I'm gonna be quick. Y'all, look at this. What are we, on hour three now? Look, Randy and Clark- Randy coming in with fucking four movies. He's got UFOs over his house. Clark over here, waxing poetic about his fucking lifelong hero, Alex Jones. AJ. And you know what? There's no time left. I'm the only one on
0: this show who watches a fucking horror movie. By the way, not one time in that documentary did they say anything about frogs being gay. What a missed opportunity! Confirmed, but they did include the uh, the folk song someone made of like the yeah compilation of him. Well, that is good. Hey, I'm glad you brought up frogs because the uh,
1: show I'm about to talk about is a Lifetime show called Frogging Hider in My House. <laughs> okay, based up on that movie, that's terrible. Uh, not based on the movie. I guess it's just a real thing. I, I yeah, but I thought is. that
0: movie created that.
1: No. Uh, yeah. okay. I believe we had this conversation before, and Randy also did that. Okay. So I pulled it up again. Why the fuck is it called frogging? I have no idea. And I Googled it, so this is as deep as the research is going to get. Randy, that's something that maybe you can do some research on Tor.com. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what I found on Google, it says pronounced frogging in the traditional spelling. Again, if you're going to Google this, it's P-H-rogging. Oh, frogging um, is the act of a person. Secret- You're to have a doctorate. <laughs> You're going to have a PhD. It's, it's the act of a person secretly living in another person's home. The term is thought to have originated from the metaphorical idea of people or frogs. I'm air quoting leaping from home to home. Mm. That is a fucking stupid reason. Also, why would you spell it? PH then? So, so this is basically stealth, stealth squatters. Kind of. Now it's funny because the movie we're all talking about is I see you with the horrific Helen hunt in it. And in the film, <laughs> there's uh, a frogger character. Now it's not, uh, you know, George Costanza playing frogger, uh, in a hilarious fashion on the street. Very good. This is a vlogger who, you know, they just hide in your closet or your attic and then they document it. So I thought frogging was kind of like a harmless yet terrifying for a homeowner, uh, sport. Well, this show again, which is on Lifetime if that gives you any kind of O-M-G. warning. OMG. Lifetime they like to get gnarly. Yeah. So Frogger Hider in my house. Also Hider, it feels like that's grammatically wrong. Hider in my house. Dude, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frogger on the storm. Um, so this film is kind of like uh, if you've ever seen the Travel Channel. How, you know, the channel about traveling, how all of their shows are about paranormal people traveling around to haunted houses. Well, this has kind of the same format. We have um, uh, supposedly people who have lived through this sitting down doing a talking head interview. They have three cameras. Of course, one is on the floor in the next room. One is up in the rafters looking down and one is straight on. And they kind of just are recounting their experience with finding a frogger in their home. Um, this is reality TV. And you know, now every time I see something like that, I think of the rehearsal, and I'm like, well, how much is reality? How much isn't? These feel alarmingly real, as these shows normally do the first season when they have a lot of people. Yeah. Also it's they have one of those uh title card things at the end of the show where it says, If you've experienced frogging, contact us. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I it makes me think of Cheaters, one of my favorite shows ever. And just that little bit that, like, hey, have you
0: had this problem? Contact
1: us, which makes it feel so fucking
0: real. So I imagine the people that you are contacting on that are like 22 year old interns fresh out oh, of college. For sure. God and honestly, they probably recast your ass. If how you many? Up, how many different like levels do you think you have to go through before you hit the show production? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you were met with like an automation at first, yeah, or a screening you, process. I wonder what
1: that exactly. Here. And um, you know, briefly, I'll mention um. Oh man, it is lifetime. So in the first episode, there's kind of an interesting one where a uh, where a family with this. I, so the family dynamics in the show are always weird, too. There's this, like, bombshell blonde who in every photo has their tits out with their little kids, right? Hell yeah. Two little boys. There's one shot particularly that I found disturbing where they they frame it so in the in the film it is framed on a uh, end table in a frame it's her in a bikini top with her two little kids like she's holding them in her left arm and most of the frame like the actual photo is just her cleavage and i'm like what is going on here then you learn they're not her kids she uh, married her high school sweetheart after he had had two children with another lady so i'm like that's even weirder like this is getting in weird stepmom porn territory I'm so, listening. <laughs> so she's also a vlogger. So she uh, does makeup tutorial videos on YouTube. All this shit reads just too true. Uh, the head of this household is kind of a dorky, uh, more masculine Randy. He's really got his shit together. He seems like he would tear you apart, though, if you crossed the uh, wires with him. Yeah, probably. Yeah, exactly. Randy. Dude, Randy rages at us when we're not recording. and Despite all his rage. So they think they're experiencing a haunting. One night, they're going to go to the movie theater, and the mom's like, hey, because she's a totally normal person. She's like, hey, can you grab that
0: blanket? I
1: think I want to bring it to the theater. Who does that? Bring a blanket to the yes. theater? That's uh, weird. People with, you know, blood
0: flow issues.
1: Dude, she's, she probably only has bikinis. That's why she's like, I'm going to get cold they're, out here. They may be anemic. so They lived
3: in Hawaii at the time. They, like, they were she, living in Hawaii. in bikinis. Yes. Theaters so, are
2: very cold, though, too, a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my God>. They <laughs> See, rock that A.C and also hawaii is getting very
0: cold hashtag global (laughs) (laughs) so she's like hey
1: can you get my blanket i don't see it it should be on the couch so everybody's like oh we don't know where your blanket is she's like well it should be there so instantly she starts blaming these boys hey stop pranking me go get the blanket they're like we don't have your dumb fucking blanket mom and she's like then where is it right this goes on way too long they go to the theater she freezes to death. And the show ends. No, she comes back. The blanket's there. And she's like, What the fuck? What kind of blanket? I don't know. Knitted? <laughs> Ooh, like a nice Afghan? I have no idea. It was a uh, like recreation Af- of the blanket we got to see in the I show. Like an Afghan. So here's the thing like anybody else, you'd think, Oh, there's somebody living in our house. Of course not. You think we're fucking haunted. So now everybody thinks they're haunted. They hear shit at night. They see shadows moving in the background. And, um, Eventually, the much more disturbing reality comes true as they return from a vacation. Their flight lands a little bit early. Not that I think this dude would have planned around this, but they get home and the dude's mountain bike, very expensive bike, is laying in their driveway. And He's like, what the fuck is this? So they open the garage. It looks like somebody has torn through all of their shit. They actually have video footage he took from his phone because he thought he was going to have to report a crime like somebody robbed them. All of the boxes in there are torn. It just looks like a tornado hit the inside of their garage. So he goes up to the front door. He's unlocking it, tries to open it. He's met with resistance. He's like, what the fuck is this? Starts pushing on it. Then a dude cracks the door open and says, Hey, uh, this isn't your house. And he's like, what the fuck dude? And uh, they, they kind of tiptoe around it on the show. And I only know this because they have actual uh, footage that they distort to try and hide his identity. Mm. But this is a very fit black dude. So I feel like that context kind of changes things. So the dad starts trying to get pumped up. He's like, Hey man, you better get the fuck out of here. Or I'm going to like, we're going to call the police. And the dude's just like, Hey man, it's all good. Like, and he's super calm. He lets him in. And, uh, The wife runs in there. She's like, we have a cat. What do you do to our fucking cat? Well, he had locked the cat in the kennel and just kind of left it there.
3: He was trying to feed it dried apricots or some
1: shit. Yeah, he was trying to feed it human food that this cat didn't want to eat. So whatever. The cat's fine. But they get in there. He's torn up everything. And he's kind of taken inventory of all their shit. So he was a guitar player, Randy. Uh, He took all the guitars out, laid them up on the couch, almost like you're going to do like a sale, like a garage sale, but in Mm. your front room. The thing that gets weird Is, uh, remember how I mentioned the uh, booby blonde was a vlogger? Of course. Well, the only thing I've remembered. (laughs) (laughs) She jumps on her laptop and realizes this dude's been making videos too. So he's been filming himself doing his own little vlog, talking about them. He also had a journal up in the crawl space where he had been living, where he uh, referred to all the people living in the house as the omnivores, and uh, had detailed... (sighs) So he had his own little Tor browser on an old laptop they had. And he was looking up how to do home surgeries, which included uh, how to remove an arm. And uh, uh, what is it?
3: Gender reassignment.
1: Gender reassignment, which he was planning on doing to the family. As he also looked up how to drug people and had all these plans laid out. So the the one thing I want to let you know, this sounds like it would be fucking horrifying if this happened to you, right? Well, um. You think the family lives in Hawaii? They clearly got a ton of money. They're fine. Uh no. They moved out of Hawaii. They have their life has been completely ruined by this experience. And this is a thing that carries over in every episode of the show. So if you're not ready to uh see somebody kind of bear their soul and their lifelong trauma, Only to reinforce that, yeah, uh, nothing has ever changed. I sleep with the lights on now. I have to live with another person. I constantly think somebody's in my closet. Uh, Don't watch it. But if you like this kind of like seedy fucking true life drama, eat it up. Because that's what I did when I went to my parents' house. (laughs) Now everything's starting to Yeah, my mom, she uh, recorded episodes of this for me. All right, this makes sense. Again, women, they love true crime shit. And when she said it was frogging, I'm like, that's a thing. All right, I'm sold. Dude,
3: it's a trip. When I looked it up on IMDb Associated Movies, um, there's something coming out called Frogging. Or no, it's from 2014. And also something called Hider in My House.
1: Which is a movie, right? Yeah. It's all very confusing (laughs) if you try and Google this. Hider in My House. Okay, I realized I said I wasn't going to take too long with that, and then I took forever. So sorry. We all know who you are. I got one more movie. Right. it's a. Uh, i've been holding my pee me too i'm dancing right now <laughs> from 2009 it is orphan dun 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 yeah the movie about a little girl who's a fucking maniac, (laughs) because she's Russian. Yes, this is russophobia all over again. Oksana was very offended upon the second watching, (laughs) especially given the current climate. If you own Orphan on Blu-ray or DVD, go ahead and throw it away. Otherwise, you're part of the problem. (laughs) Honestly, to be brief, Orphan's fucking fantastic. It's a long movie. We were looking at the runtime. It's It's like minutes over two hours. Really? I barely remember... There's highlights in this movie because when I first watched it, I went in blind. I went, This is going to be terrible. Do you know I've never seen it? Oh, really? It
0: will spoil it for me. Um. Also, you know, sick invite, guys. So we got
1: the Again. mother from the Cazarin, cook. Who, uh who is in underwear a lot in this film. Cool. She's strutting her stuff. If she had a frogger in her house, he would have been living it up. <sighs> Dude, actually, this movie is ripe for a frogging incident. Dude, a f- uh,
0: fapping frogger? The fapping frogger. The oh. fapping frogger. Dude, good job, man. I don't know whether that's a short story or a video game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, dude, it's right there for you. You have to take it and run. Um, yeah, so Orphan was fantastic. Again, this is from the director, uh, whose name I cannot pronounce. It's honestly something that would have caught Randy's eye on Amazon Prime. I think it's Wom Colette Sierre or something. You better figure it good out. Good enough. Uh, he also directed House of Wax in 2005, <gasps> which was fantastic. Oh. And he directed The Shallows, which we all were very... <gasps> shallow, shallow. Yeah, so you know what? Um, we got the prequel coming out in a little bit. Watch this movie. Get refreshed. It's fucking good. Uh, the lead actress in here, whose name I should have had ready. I didn't know he did House of Wax. Give me, give me a second. What the fuck is Isabel? her name? Oh, Isabel Furumon. House of Wax, or as I call it, Tourist Trap 2. Electric Boogaloo. Thank you. Sorry, that's the laziest response to any sequel. I know. You know, I know I'll, a good, I'll work on it's a it. It's good to go too. I um, also I'm fine did
3: with two that. episodes of The River.
1: Oh, what? I can't forget that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How could you bury the lead again? Which is always called a found footage show. I dispute that. Anyway, Isabel plays Esther, the little Russian girl that comes and ruins this perfect white family's life. You like how I did that? Social yeah. commentary. Anyway, Esther is also the name of one of my favorite actresses from the 50s. So if you know... <laughs> et- <laughs> um, yeah, it's fantastic. Watch it. I don't think Randy would get it too too much of a kick out of this. It's very horror. But uh, if you're a fan of The Good Son, Randy, did you like The Good Son? Never seen it. Oh. What do, what do, what do you think, Clark? Would Randy like The Good Son? Never saw it. You never saw it? Never saw it. You never saw The Colkin? I've never seen a single Macaulay colkin film hey, in my entire life. Hey, well, here's, That's an, not true. here's an opportunity. Um, one critique I could give The Orphan is it does feel pretty much like a, uh, you know, it's The Good Son, but we're just changing it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hey, you haven't seen it. Orphan's going to rule. Well, Orphan got
0: uh, spoiled for me. That's why I didn't say it.
1: Ah, it doesn't matter. It's not like it's fucking, oh, I almost, I almost said a different movie that you could spoil that would kind of give away... It doesn't matter. There's a twist in this movie.
3: I knew the twist, and it was still, like, an amazing Yeah, it's watch. about the journey, not the destination. I understand. That's hey, gross... I'm
0: zen. I'm just saying, you know,
1: 12 years ago when this thing came out. A wise man once said, it's the journey, not the destination.
2: Randy Stat. Thank you. Good job, Randy. I'm not the first, but I appreciate it. Oh, my God. <laughs> he also did a bunch of Liam Neeson films, apparently. Oh. <gasps>
1: Yeah, uh-huh. I didn't want to mention that because Liam Neeson is an idiot. Whoa, dude! You know I love my
0: Liam
2: Neesons. I know you do. That's why and I- he regularly pisses his pants in public. <laughs> that is true, dude. <laughs> yeah, one of the best Jedi's, also.
1: Qui Gon. Sure? Oh man, I fucking hate you, people. All right, we're good.
0: Pants. No. Isn't th- there's enough? Isn't there? We did it. Thursday's episode. Prepare thyself. Yeah,
1: we, we only went long this week to make up because we didn't do a Thursday episode. So next Tuesday, expect, now you know, this is the 360th episode, and we're going to reflect and we're going to do it. We're going to hit a 60-minute mark on next Tuesday. Okay, you heard it here first.
0: But we definitely didn't hit it this week. <laughs> what are we at, four hours? Uh, well, we started, we are probably just under two. So okay. We're there. Um, all right, before we, uh, send it loose, Oksana, send us home.
3: Um, an update on my blister, if you'd like.
2: <laughs> oh, it's, okay. yes.
3: It's horrendous. You never realize how much, uh, weight your ring finger holds up until it's, um, almost excruciating when it does.
0: Yep. My grandfather told me that at a very
1: early age. Here, can you put your finger in front of my camera so Randy can see it? I
3: don't think he to see
1: it. Come on. <laughs> I believe it is uh, purple. Oh. It is purple and green. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Oh, oh, it's Mardi Gras colors. Yeah, I don't touch that <laughs> hand anymore. <laughs> Every now and then, I'll I'll grab her hand and be like, "Not that one." Yeah,
0: yeah. Don't jerk me off with that hand. G-
1: give me the other hand. <laughs> Do the ghost. No, the pus is good lube.
3: There's no
0: pus. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you Thursday. Bro.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour, and if you would like to hear more.